Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. So welcome to the show, folks, and uh, we are super excited today. I am super excited today because we have Tyler Capobras uh, back with us from thegoodgun.com. And um, last time uh, Tyler and I talked, we covered uh, the kind of gear, the kind of tactics, and even strategies that you would need to employ uh, with when you when you're trying to defend uh, your loved ones and yourself inside of your home which obviously would be the preferred situation but sometimes uh, we have to venture out and in these uh, in kind of how the things are how things are going now in america and actually around the world but we're talking about america now it seems like um, our personal safety is uh, not guaranteed uh, substantially anywhere. And we have to uh, be aware of that fact and we have to take some steps to make sure that uh, whatever develops, we are not the victim of the situation. And uh, there is a, a lot to discuss. There is a lot of gear and a lot of situations that we want to cover uh, today. Um, but I want to, st uh, before I uh, turn it over to Tyler and we, and we start talking uh, gear, uh, I want to say something about the general kind of mindset or disposition of, of owning a handgun, because substantially what we're going to be discussing now in this show are handguns. Uh, defending yourself outside the home with um, uh, a long barreled weapon, such as a short gun or a rifle, is not uh, really practical. I mean, you're not going to be walking around uh, with an AR-15, you know, <clears throat> slung behind your back or whatever. Uh, I mean, I know some states allow it, open carry and all of that, but it's just not really practical. So in, in, in most cases, you will, uh, if we were talking about handguns, and you will be carrying them either uh, open or concealed, or you will have one in your vehicle with you. So uh, let's, uh, you know, thinking about handguns, there is, there is one thing and, the, you know, Tyler, there is one thing that I would um, agree with uh, the, 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 uh, all the gun grabbers and the leftists and the communists and whatever, whatever kind of people are trying to destroy America. And where I agree with them on this issue is that guns are designed to kill people. So when you think about a handgun, uh, the purpose of that instrument is to kill. And that's important to understand that, that fact. It's not designed for sport, even though shooting handguns is a lot of fun. Uh, and there is a sport, but it deals with little pellets and totally different handguns than what we're talking about now. So this is not for sport. It's not for fun. Uh, it is to kill. Okay, so uh, when you uh, decide to purchase a handgun, and maybe many of our listeners already have, and when you uh, further decide to take that handgun on the road with you, whether on your person or in your vehicle, you are carrying with you a deadly weapon. You're carrying with you an instrument whose only uh, purpose in life is to kill. 
And that puts a tremendous amount of responsibility on you as the, as the gun owner, okay? Because you have to be, that's the reason that militaries have such strong disciplines. Because in the military, we constantly handle instruments that can kill. And these instruments have to be handled with a lot of responsibility. And Tyler, you know, I'm looking at all these um, deranged people on, on, you know, on, on the left in America, on the democratic side of things. And I'm thinking maybe it's good that they don't like guns because who would want people like that to even have guns? I mean, Tyler, I want to discuss with you this, um, what happened with this guy in Denver uh, who was uh, a Trump supporter and was confronted by some unlicensed security guard. Let's, let's analyze that situation a little bit. So uh, from what I understand, um, the Trump supporter was accosted by this uh, overly aggressive quote unquote security guy. And maybe you can walk us a little bit of what your understanding is of what transpired then. Well, from what I've seen, um, just the different camera angles and video, um, there were some agitators there just trying to stir the crowd up in general. Um, and from my understanding, from what I've seen, how it went down is essentially the uh, unlicensed security guard who apparently has uh, ties to Occupy Wall Street and Antifa essentially somehow realized that um, Lee Keltner, the guy who was unfortunately shot in the head, had a concealed pistol under the left side flap of his vest. It's hard to see, but in a couple uh, camera shots, you can actually, when you zoom in, see it. Um, resulted in Lee trying to de-escalate just by smacking him in the face to get him away. And apparently that's when Lee, from my understanding, appears to have gone for the uh, bear mace or pepper spray of some variety. And at that point, for whatever reason, the uh, unlicensed security guard who's got Antifa ties, decided to chamber around in his handgun and shoot uh, Keltner in the head. And, and so um, I wonder if uh, Lee, when he, when, he, when he decided to choose a non-lethal uh, weapon, if you want to call that spray a weapon, it's not <clears throat> really, uh, was he aware, do you think, that his um, assailant or would-be assailant was armed with a firearm? From what I've seen, it doesn't look like he appeared to know that the other guy was carrying a gun. Um, it was concealed up until the point where he decided to chamber around and shoot him. So I think that's why he made the decision to go with the bear spray, um, because it is non-lethal. So it's used a lot to right. de-escalate. Um, I think just timing-wise, and you don't know what you don't know, it was just a bad situation, and right. obviously the other guy, right. you know, he wasn't in any sort of a danger. You can't claim self-defense if someone's just using pepper spray on you. He was downright just intent on murder, it seems. Right, right. So so to me, this, this kind of situation really is, um, it embodies a lot of the issues that uh, folks can be confronted with when, when uh, you know, outside the home, when they, when they carry a firearm for their self-defense. And, you know, we'll get to the gear side of it um, later. But, but, but first, yeah, I think that's, to me, this is even more important than, than the gear, even though it's connected to the question of gear very much so. So, for example, uh, the late uh, Mr. Mr. Kel Kellner, <clears throat> um, 
if he had chosen to, rather than engage uh, the bear spray, if he had chosen to unholster his concealed weapon and at least show it to his assailant, he may have been alive because if he had drawn his weapon first, uh, perhaps uh, the other guy would have thought twice about, uh, you know, about taking out his own gun. What, what do there you is, yeah, there is that. But the only problem is, though, from all the shots that we saw, the other guy didn't even have a visible weapon. And so at that point, then you could also make the argument that Keltner, if he pulled his handgun just because the guy lunged for it, it's considered brandishing because in any sort of a situation, really the only time that you should be drawing that gun is when you legitimately fear for your life and actually have to use it. Otherwise it should stay out of sight, concealed. Nobody should know that you have anything on you. Right, right. And, and you know, that, that, just, that just kind of um, pose a tremendous dilemma that, and there's no, I don't think there's an answer to it, right? Because uh, my guess is that, you know, Mr. Keltner, if he could uh, come go back in time and rethink his approach, uh, he would have pulled his pistol out <clears throat> and yeah. uh, at least brandished it, as you say, because maybe he, he may have had some legal problems, but he would have been alive. Yeah, that and, is true. Uh, as it kind of way that. Yeah, yeah. He's so I, I, you know, I just think that uh, when folks, when, when you go out and uh, you you go go out armed, you really have to think about what you're going to do with that deadly weapon that is in your possession and how you're going to handle stuff. Uh, maybe you have to play some scenarios in your head and kind of figure out where on this continuum of I'm going to be absolutely legally safe to the other end where I'm going to, you know, make sure that under, under no circumstances am I the victim, you know, where are you going to be on that, on, on that continuum? Because those types of decisions are best not left to the last second, I, I would think. I, I think that you, you have to go out there with some sort of idea what you would do if, if, if God forbid, it came to that. What, what do you think? Yeah, it really just comes that? down to, yeah, you need to make up in your mind kind of these hypotheticals to be resolved in your course of action. Um, because as we saw in the case of Keltner, any amount of hesitation, it doesn't take long for things to quickly escalate. And in the case of Keltner, you know, he lost his life. Um, with the case of, you know, branching that we talked about, I know it depends on the laws, but a lot of times it's a it's a misdemeanor charge. It doesn't always end necessarily with you losing your rights to own guns. You can still end up with a fine and some jail time. But, yeah, you know, like you said, oppose that to a few months in jail on a fine potentially for being alive. And, you know, arguably, even if you did end up being charged with something to where you couldn't own guns, at least you're still alive to litigate that in court. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I want to say again that, 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 we, that on this show, we want to encourage people to do everything absolutely legally, but we also cannot yeah. ignore the fact that law, you know, the law is also gray. It's not mm -hmm. black and white. And every situation is different. So, 
first of all, if you are not a responsible law-abiding person, then do us all a favor and do not buy guns. That, yeah. That's kind of the first thing I would say. <laughs> because that's not going to end well for anyone. Now, especially and not most the person all, trying to get one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you're going to be putting others and yourself in danger if you're not a responsible gun owner. And, you know, we saw that tragedy, Tyler, with that uh, toddler, right, that shot himself with his uh, parents' uh, pistol. And that's something that should yeah. have been avoided. Uh, yeah, such, completely such avoided. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, so uh, that just kind of, um, you know, shows you that if you're going to own uh, deadly weapons, then please be a responsible, law-abiding uh, citizen and train with those weapons. But part of that training, it's not all just about being in a range and shooting at paper targets or even in a kind of dynamic, um, those dynamic ranges where you can kind of move and shoot, which are far more realistic. But it's more so even about having a mindset of involving the law and the laws that are in your jurisdiction and how you would um, see yourself handling situations. Uh, and, you know, the law is a part of it. The, the, the law is absolutely a part of it and you have to consider how you would behave in those types of situations. You know, it's easy in the military because in the military, you know who your enemy is and then you just shoot them to kill. Yeah. Uh, that's just, you know, that's just, you know, I've had experience with that. So it's just something that you do, you, you, you train for it and you <clears> do it and you don't have to think, to think twice <clears> about it. In civilian life, it's absolutely different. So you do have to think about it. And, and you know, in civilian life, um, you know, like, what's, you know, Joe Biden, right? I mean, the guy doesn't have two brain cells left to rub together, but he came up with this answer that police should put people in the leg, right? Oh, and I kind of want to talk about that. that as well a little bit. Oh, yeah, no, it, it goes even far worse than that. There was a video of him doing like a Q&A on YouTube while he was vice president, trying to discourage people from owning ARs and he made a comment, something along the lines of, you don't need an AR, just get a double barrel shotgun. And he said something along the lines of, I think I told my wife, Jill, if there's ever an intruder, just go onto the balcony and fire two blasts in the air, which is horrible because that's <laughs> completely illegal to do that within city limits. Not to mention, it's just not safe. <laughs> and then I think he made another comment no. of firing through the door, which is just as absurd. It's like, what if that was your <laughs> child or a relative? You don't know who's on the other side how of the door. The, how, it's just how the heck do you know what's on the other side? Yeah, of the exactly. Door? And like, does he it's, have it's, X-ray vision? <laughs> well, but but also we know what happened with that uh, with that uh, what was it, Brianna Taylor? So the you know she was a drug dealer. Her boyfriend was a drug dealer. Whatever. Yeah. But we know how well it works to shoot through the door. Like they tried to shoot at police right through the door, and then didn't, didn't yeah. end very well for. Them. No. So no, th those are horrible ideas and. And you know, one of the things when you when you when you uh, one of the uh, attributes of being a, a responsible gun owner is don't listen to demented politicians, don't listen to Hollywood movies. This is all nonsense, right? You have yeah. to understand how guns really work. And um, you know, guns are in civilian life. Like I said, in the military, just shoot it, shoot, shoot, shoot your enemy, right? Civilian yeah. life doesn't work that way. So yeah, it I'm could sure. be that you're going to use your gun as a deterrent. Sorry, Tyler, please. Yeah. Oh, no, you're fine. I was just going to say that, yeah, for civilians, it's completely different because you have all these legal 
legalese that you have to worry about, um, when you can shoot, when you can't shoot. Honestly, the biggest thing for anyone listening that I can, can't can stress enough, if you're going to own a gun, even if you're not going to conceal carry at any point, just take a concealed carry class that covers not just the basics of concealed carry itself, but a lot of the courses, double check, but like the one that I took, most of it was actually covering the different laws and situations that you might run into where it's legal versus not legal to shoot. For instance, even if they're shooting, but they're retreating, they're retreating. So legally, the law is not on your side if you choose to actually shoot them. Things like that, that you really wouldn't consider unless you actually take the class. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. Tyler, we're coming back to the show, and um, uh, in this second segment, I want to focus uh, and start focusing uh, a little bit more on the gear and the tactics. So, sure. and one of the things I wanted to ask you is, um, how about having a gun in your vehicle? That's I don't think that's legally considered uh, having a concealed weapon, but I think, and I think in most jurisdictions, you're allowed to have, for example, a, a pistol or a revolver in your glove compartment. Is that is that right? It really depends on the state. It's technically considered concealed carry um, just because of the fact that it is concealed. I always strongly recommend people check their laws. Some require the ammunition and the magazines to be stored separate. If you have a concealed carry license and the ones that requirement, uh, excuse me, require it, they may not necessarily care if you have it in the glove box since you have your license already. But yeah, just double check your laws. Um, my state's pretty lax on it. Um, we don't even require a license for open or concealed carry, whether you're a resident or not. So they don't really care as long as you're li- a law-abiding citizen here. Um, but yeah, just double check yeah. your laws. God, God, God bless Idaho. I mean, I wish, <laughs> <laughs> I wish we, we, could all, we could all be like that because it just makes so much sense, you know. Um, and, and, you know, but, but I, I would say also that I suspect that the people in Idaho, uh, you know, on on average, are a lot more sane than people in places like Seattle. Oh yeah, and that has a you know so really down. That has a lot to do with. Yeah, because I mean, if you if if you look at some of those people running around America's big cities, you know. Oh yeah. I don't feel like they they should be, you know, allowed to easily and legally buy guns because uh, you know I, I know that we all cherish the Second Amendment rights and so on, but. You know, it's it's just, um, and so every American should absolutely be able to, to bear arms. But um, 
you know, you do have to wonder about some of these people with their level of insanity having access to, to, to firearms. That being yeah. said, the criminals will get uh, will get guns no matter what. So there's and no easy kinda, answer to, to Yeah, they'll try to get guns no matter what. And that actually kind of brings up a good point because there's been a lot of debate on whether to keep like a dedicated gun in your car. Um, some people are like, uh, don't do it because someone breaks into your car, you just gave them a gun. Others, it's, well, you never know when you're going to need a gun. I'm more of the mindset of, especially if we're talking pistols, you know, you're going to be concealed carrying it anyway. Just take it with you. Um, if you're going to leave it in the car, best advice I can offer would be don't have anything on your car that would indicate that you own guns. You know, no NRA stickers, no 3%er stickers, no uh, right. thin blue line stickers, nothing that would indicate gun owner whatsoever. Right, right. Well, speaking of which, so what would be a good uh, what would be a good handgun to keep in your glove compartment if you wanted to go that way? Well, I mean, if we're talking just a normal size glove compartment, I mean, I have a Toyota Corolla, and you could fit a full size yeah. Glock easily in that. So you're yeah. probably not really limited a whole lot on that, unless you're talking like a small car with a really compact center console. It's more going to be, are you going to keep it in the car? If so, if you're going to keep it in the car, I'd go more full size. If you're going to like mm -hmm. keep it in your car, but then when you get out, take it with you, then it's just going to matter on what's your level of comfort on what you want to carry, which most people, it ends up being like yeah. a compact or a subcompact size instead of full size. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um the size of the person versus the size of the gun, right? So, uh, I mean, if you're talking about a 110 pound, you know, young woman, yeah, uh, as opposed to, you know, some guy six foot two, you know, uh, 220 pounds, there, there's quite a range there in terms of the hand size, the muscle strength, and things of that nature. So talk, talk to me a little bit about the range of, you know, or the, the relation between the size of the person and the size of the firearm. Sure. So if you're talking just an average male, you know, five, 10 or so, you know, 200 pounds or so, a standard nine millimeter full size pistol usually isn't going to cause them any issues. If you're talking someone just smaller in stature in general, um, regardless of their male or, or female, sometimes you may want to either, it just kind of depends. Um, nine millimeter doesn't really, in my opinion, have that stout of recoil um, for smaller shooters, it could be more noticeable. There's a couple ways you can get around that. If you have a larger frame pistol, it absorbs more of the recoil. The downside though, yeah. is that typically on the full size pistols, if you need to rack that slide to clear a malfunction, it's gonna be a lot more challenging and not always possible. Yeah. And so yeah. one of the trade-offs I found, for instance, um, with my mother and my mother-in-law who were getting into guns for the first time because of all the craziness they're actually looking at like a smith and wesson easy and 380 acp it's uh, shorter than the nine millimeter but the spring tension is quite a bit less so you have less kick because of it's a little bit less uh, powder in the bullet casing itself but then the spring itself and the slide is a lot easier to rack so those with smaller hands, weaker hands, or arthritis, it's a lot more doable for them with that type of a pistol. Right, right. And uh, what, what's that What's that uh, chamber again? Or, or what's the, that round again? I kind of missed it. 
Oh, sure. It's a 380 ACP. So essentially it's, it's essentially a nine millimeter yeah. diameter bullet still. Um, but the casing's a little bit shorter, right. so less powder in the casing. So when you fire the two side by side, you'll notice quite a bit of a reduction in recoil shooting a 380, even in the same size handgun compared to a nine millimeter. And what's your, what's your general feeling, uh, you know, uh, magazine fed guns, uh, semi-automatics as opposed to revolvers? For something like self-defense, I pretty much always am in favor of a semi-automatic just because in general, even with the smallest of automatic, excuse me, semi-automatic handguns, like on the 380 ACP, uh, Smith and Wesson Easy, you still have eight rounds in the magazine on those. Whereas mm -hmm. a typical revolver, you're looking at six shots. The downside to the revolvers too is they typically tend to have a little bit more recoil and fewer options for people a smaller stature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, would, would you consider, um, you know, I just want to cover, kind of challenge you with some of my ideas, right? I mean, would you consider for um, for your mother-in-law or, or, or your wife, something like a Ruger LCR, which is a 22 Magnum, WMR Magnum, a kind of hammerless or the hammer is hidden inside revolver six rounds? On something like that, I mean, any gun is better than no gun and 22 magnums can be better than, you know, 22 long rifle. But a lot of people say that ideally the minimum you probably want to go for in a self-defense caliber would be like 38 special or 380 ACP. You don't think that the, the WMR will, I mean, it, it's going to hurt if you, it's going to hurt if you're on the receiving end of this. <laughs> That oh way. yeah, and I'm not going to discourage yeah. anyone if that's what they're comfortable shooting with, then carry it because it's better than carrying something that you're not comfortable with in a bigger caliber and just leaving it at home yeah. because it's not comfortable. I still would not be anywhere near a volunteer list of being shot with 22 Magnum or even 22 long rifle. It's yeah. still going to poke a hole in it. Um, yeah, yeah, and especially the Magnum. That's that's uh, I, I I never owned the handgun in that in that. Um, caliber but i own the rifle and that caliber it's the same round granted the rifle has a longer barrel so it, the, the, the bullet energy would be higher <clears throat> but it's a round that can, can, can do quite a bit of damage i mean uh, you know folks um if you want to consider things like when you when you're uh, purchasing a handgun or you're purchasing another handgun um especially i think for the ladies who typically wear more form-fitting clothing and there is not that much play uh, there's not that much place around their bodies where they can put a holster <clears> and um, and so on so if you want to carry in your purse for example right uh, something like that uh, Ruger LCR with the hammer hidden inside it's very sleek very streamlined and if you if you have to remove it quickly from your handbag where you have a lot of other stuff it will not snag and it's it's double action, which means, yeah, you have a little bit harder uh, uh, trigger pull, but you don't need to worry about the hammer. You know, it will, it will just fire, you know, uh, a single pull on a, on, a, on a trigger will fire around and rotate the drum to, 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 to make sure that you can fire the next round. So that, that's something that, uh, you know, I think for, for a woman who prefers to carry in her purse, I, it, it would be something that I wouldn't be discounting, I guess, as a, as, a, as a first line of defense. Yeah, and the biggest thing is really, you know, 
keep an open mind, experiment with what you think will work, see what does work, what doesn't. The nice thing is because there's a lot more women getting into this, there are some websites out there that are geared directly towards that. And I encourage any female shooter looking at getting into that to consult those because, you know, as guys, we don't really have a firsthand experience of it. So we're not exactly experts. And so that's where it's, it's great that there's some ladies out there that have gone through that information. Those resources are available. Yeah. 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 You know, for the goodgun.com, I think, I think it would be helpful, uh, kind of maybe interesting to your public to talk about, you know, people who like that, you know, maybe especially women who, uh, you know, just, just need to feel a little bit safer. They're not necessarily in a high risk neighborhood or anything like that, but just something that, you know, if push comes to shove, they could quickly take out and, and maybe fire around. Uh, it's, it's, it's better than, than having, you know, nothing. Um, so, so I, I, like, I like revolvers just because of, of the simplicity of it, I guess. And, um, yeah, you have a few, you have a couple fewer rounds, right. But at the same time, especially for the smaller guns, like that uh, LCR can be gotten with a snub nose, I think it's less than two inch barrel. It's a handy little small gun, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, ladies in, in my opinion could, uh, could use. But what I would say, though, is go to your local range and most of them will have guns that you can try. Isn't that right, Tyler? Like if you go to like um, some gun shops have ranges indoors and you can just try a bunch of uh, guns and see what fits you. Or what yeah, I have one that's about seven minutes from me and they have a huge variety of handguns that you can rent. They'll provide you with ammo and targets. So if you don't have any, it's not a big deal. The nice thing is, too, I believe the store manager uh the one that's near me is actually uh, a lady as well so i think they do free ladies nights on like every wednesday night so also check yeah to see if your yeah. rangers do anything like that because that's a great you know no pressure yeah. situation there yeah exactly and, and just see what feels right and, and and see what you can be accurate with because one of the things about yeah. handguns is, is 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 accuracy right it's very very easy to to uh, miss even from pretty close, you know, even from 10 feet. And, oh, you know, yeah. the, reason that, the reason that handguns are so essential for self-defense, especially for people who are not physically strong, is because you can keep your assailant away from you. Uh, you know, if you allow uh, somebody who you feel is dangerous to your well-being, to come less than 10 feet towards you, you've already committed a cardinal mistake because they can close that distance so quickly that you won't be able to do anything. Oh so, yeah. But even from 10 feet away, even from 10 feet away, you can miss with a pistol, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, practice, practice and, and see what, what gun allows you to shoot accurately. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to talk about also, and that's also connected to the choice of gear, is there, like in your opinion, Tyler, is there any weight that people should um, assign to the intimidation factor of the handgun? In other words, if you pull out that little Ruger LCR, people may say, well, you know, that's a toy. On the other hand, if you pull out, if you pull out like a 1911, uh, you know, with a huge barrel chambered in like 44 Magnum, people may, may think twice about making that extra step, right? So what do you think of the, about that? It could certainly play a factor in it, but I honestly don't really recommend taking 
cosmetic appearances into your decision making. Like you said, whatever is most comfortable with you that you're accurate with, you know, they're going to try whatever they're going to try. Yeah, maybe the effect of it will be a little bit unnerving on them if you have a bigger gun. But like you said, it's not hard to miss at 10 yards. And if you can't hit anything at 10 yards with the big gun, you're better off with the smaller gun that, yeah, it may be less intimidating. But really, as long as you're self-aware and you practice with it so you're accurate, you'll still be able to stop the threat. And that's the biggest thing there. Yeah, that, that, that is the biggest thing. And, and um, you know, in, we'll, we have to, we're coming to the end of this segment, but in the final segment, um, you know, we'll bring it all together because we talked in the first segment, we started with this idea of various scenarios and the legal aspects that are coming into it. And then in the second segment, we talked a little bit more about gear. And in, the, in this final segment coming up, we'll kind of bring it all together and talk about how all of us all ages, well, adults, uh, and all uh, and both genders, and there's only two folks. I mean, give me a break. Uh, can uh, you know c- can effectively use firearms to protect ourselves outside the home? So stay tuned for that. You've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. Well, AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world, featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. Join us. We're in this together. And we consider you part of our family in our crusade to share the news, commentary, and agenda that can lead America back again. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Uh, Welcome back to the show, folks. We're here with Tyler Kapobras. So let's talk. Uh, so Tyler, let's talk a little bit about if you feel threatened. If you're out there and you're feeling threatened, and you make it's a difficult decision to make. I think you know I've never personally encountered it. Thank God. Uh, even though I've used arms plenty, but not in those situations. Um, yeah. The decision to draw your gun must be one of the hardest decisions that you would ever make in your life, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think? Yes. And no, um, for those who haven't taken any sort of like a concealed carry class or anything, um, it can be a little bit more of a gray area. That's why I recommend people who are looking to carry, take a class so that you know the laws in your state surrounding that. So it's a lot harder to make a misstep. But in general, a good rule of thumb is, you know, don't use the weapon for intimidation. That weapon comes out only when it's needed and it's going to be used. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's a that's kind of a key point, right? Because when you take out that gun, right, and you intend to use it, and I, I opened this show, folks, with um, with a comment that these guns uh, are made just as the leftists say, they're made to kill people. There is there is really like there is a variety, a wide variety of handguns, revolvers, pistols, with a vi- wide variety of ammunition from something as uh, small as a 22 long rifle to all the way to various 
you know, 44 magnums and 45 ACPs and things of that nature. Uh, but all of them are designed to kill. Even a 22LR uh, can easily kill a person. So when you are, and, and that's the whole point. Of it. That's, that's, that's the reason you have it. When you draw it and you draw it not to intimidate, not to you know, resolve a dispute, not because you feel like somebody is you know, humiliating you. When you draw it, you have to draw it with this idea in your head that you're going to kill somebody. That's, that's, that's what makes it, to me, such a, such a difficult decision. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily go through with it. Uh, there is still time. There is still a, a, a process of judgment, uh, a decision-making process that will follow, you know, the un unconcealment of your weapon. But at the same time, you do have to kind of realize that, you know, when you take that weapon out, if your if your purpose is not to intimidate but to use it, you may be on the verge of taking a life, and and that's important to understand, right? I mean, how how do you feel about that, Tyler? Yeah, exactly. You feel threatened or you see a situation where you very well may have to kill. And so you draw your weapon. Ideally, you hope that just the fact that you've drawn the weapon, fully expecting to use it, hopefully things turn out that they see it, they stop whatever they're doing, the threat decides to stop being a threat, and you don't have to use it. But you never do it hoping that just presenting the weapon de-escalates the situation because that's not what it's there for. Like you said, it's designed to kill. So if you're pulling it out to kill and you can de-escalate, great. If you have to use it, I'm I'm sorry. You know, there's I wouldn't want to be in that same situation. But yeah, never is a form of intimidation. You know, when I think about being in that situation as a civilian, again, not not in not like in the military where you know that that's your enemy and your job is substantially to kill to kill him. In 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 a civilian type of situation, um when your gun is now out and it's in your hand. Now, if you're faced uh, with a person who, and that's like likely where you were going to pull that gun out, you're faced with a person who poses a, a deadly threat to you. You know, in other words, you feel like that person is about to kill you. So what, um, I mean, at this, at this point, you have to evaluate what's, you know, what is next. Now, as to me, if that person sees you holding a gun, unless they're suicidal uh, or on drugs, which can definitely be the case, um, you know, out of their mind, in other words, and so on, they should stop, right? They should stop and uh, maybe uh, flee, flee the scene, right? I say, yeah, you see it a lot of times on like police body cam videos. They'll pull the gun, but they won't necessarily shoot, they'll try to de-escalate. Now, it depends mm -hmm. on the situation, what you're comfortable with, but sometimes they end up still having to use it. But yeah, hopefully the mm -hmm. fact that you have drawn it, you know, you can de-escalate it, you know, tell them to stop what they're doing, you know, but yeah, hopefully you don't have to use it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, with the police, what I would say is that, you know, the perpetrator, the bad guy, let's just say, uh, usually, or the bad girl, <laughs> usually um, kind of believes that the police will shoot them, right? But I worry sometimes, you know, um, if, if I was like my young daughter, you know, if, if I was talking to her, I would say, you know what, she looks so nice and sweet and so on. So somebody can look at her and say, well, 
yeah, I know you have that 357, you know, Magnum revolver in your hand right now, but are you really going to shoot me with it? That, that kind of situation, I think, can be dangerous to the people, I mean, to the person holding the gun, because it puts the kind of the burden of proof on them to show that they are going to use it. Right. So at this point, you're faced, I think, with three three choices or three options. You know, one is you can shoot to kill. In other words, one is you can shoot at the center of gravity at the solar plexus of your of your assailant. Um, You know, just like they teach you in those courses and, you know, keep both eyes open, look through the look through the sights and put one right in the solar plexus and then put another one. That's one option, right? Another option, and I'm, I'm going to say right straight up that I don't recommend it, is try to hit something quote quote non-lethal, like an arm or a leg or a shoulder or whatever. Yeah, that's that's kind of the the Biden the, the Joe Biden school of policing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go back into why that is a stupid idea. But um, I guess the third option, which I'm kind of ambivalent about. <clears throat> Is firing, is firing around up in the air, like 45-degree angle. What do you think about that, Tyler? Yeah, I don't recommend that either. That's not – that violates pretty much every one of the uh, four rules of gun safety. And, yeah, I just just don't do it, people. <laughs> you don't know where that bullet's going to land. You know, hopefully it would just land in the dirt somewhere. But, I mean – you know, if you think about it, with all the stories of people who are shooting up into the air at Fourth of July, those bullets come down, and they have to come down somewhere. And when they're coming back down, they have enough velocity to kill. And so you could very well be yeah. entering or killing some individual, you know, halfway across the city for all you know. So it's like, no, just just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I come from it. This is anecdotally, but I come from a different culture. You know, I, I'm, I'm Israeli and. Um... Uh, I, uh, where, where my parents lived uh, was a, a village uh, surrounded by a lot of Arab and Druze villages. And these guys uh, love to shoot uh, in the air for, for, for happy reasons, like I'm talking about weddings. Yeah. And they, they got, and, and they just empty whole magazines <laughs> of, you know, oh, 556 NATO ammunition. Uh, I mean, people nowadays in America would be appalled by that because it's hard to find, but they would just fire thousands of rounds, I'm telling you, like late at night oh, because man. they're happy because their son and daughter are getting married. <laughs> so I don't know. I just grew up around so much fire. You know, I grew, growing up in Israel, I was around so much like the, the act of firing uh, uh, ammunition was so, you know, constant in my life that I'm, I'm yeah, but, but, but no, I, I would go with, uh, with Tyler on this here. But I would just say, Especially again for for those people who may not look like who somebody can mistake their intent, maybe one of the things that you should practice is looking like you mean it. When you get when you have that gun in your hands, look like you're about to shoot. Don't smile. Don't. I wouldn't even talk. Just look like. Listen, your, your demeanor should be listen. You know, whoever it is on the on the other side of my sights. Your demeanor should be like, listen, dude, or do that. If you don't make yourself scarce, you're gonna die. That should be that. You, that should be in your eyes. 
in the Israeli army, they, uh, in a basic training, they used to yell at us, our, our, our um, commanders used to yell at us, murder in your eyes, you have to have murder in your eyes. That's about that intent, right? It's, 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 you have to have that intent. So what I'm saying is, uh, if you pull out your weapon, have murder in your eyes, because that may save not only your life, but maybe even the life of the person who is uh, threatening to do your harm, to do you harm. Because if he sees that murder in your eyes and the gun in your hand, he may consider he may reconsider his course of action. If he just sees the gun and your eyes have doubt in them, uh, he may he may test your resolve, you know, and and then you will have to fire. And, yeah. Some criminals are just stupid, so be prepared to follow it up with force if they're dumb enough to still try something. Yeah, they're stupid or, you know, drugged or, or, or whatever it is and, and just, um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, going back to this um, Lee Keltner incident, right, this unfortunate incident, um, you can, what that incident shows us most of all is that we cannot read minds. We don't know what what is in the head of the other guy. So we, and also as civilians, we are not police. It is not our job to de-escalate. So we don't know what, you know, if the other guy looks intent on, on, on causing us bodily harm, um, we, we, we cannot judge what kind of harm he's about to, 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 to inflict on us. You know what I mean? Like, how badly is he going to hurt us? We, we have no way of knowing that, right? Yeah, we just don't. I saw it. We, we just don't, we don't right? We, we, this is something that there's never, you can never know what, what that other guy uh, is, is going to do or wants to do. And, uh, you know, I saw a tweet um, the other day, some, uh, some woman from New York, I think, or something, and she was, she was saying, well, you know, uh, I have my mace and I have my pe- pepper spray and I have all of this and 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 you know like what other non non lethal you know means can I can I have can somebody help me and I, what I was gonna say to her is you know forget about the non lethal if somebody is very intent on causing you harm none of this is gonna stop you know and and yeah. and there's nothing you can spray on them that's gonna change their mind. You know, you, you, maybe it's time to consider something that's not non-lethal because otherwise, you you, mm-hmm. you know, you may become a victim, right? That's just kind of how it is. So, Tyler, let's talk a little bit, uh, come back to, for, the, uh, um, for the last part of the show, a little bit more into that gear question. So what's the most, uh, like I'm often w- wondering, what's the most popular cham- um, chamber around for self-defense uh, outside the home for concealed carry weapons? Well, for outside the home, probably the two most popular would be nine millimeter or a scene, you know, if you're carrying like a 1911 45 ACP, you also have some mix in there. Some people carrying revolvers, 357 Magnum, and uh, possibly like a semi-auto in 40 Smith and Wesson. But it, it's usually nine millimeter is the biggest one that I see. 380 okay. is a pretty a- good deal too up there as far as popularity. You mentioned 380 ACP. Yeah. Uh, what about like, uh, there was a popular round back in the day, um, a 38 special, I think, or I'm not, I'm yeah. not very up on my handgun. Ammo. Yeah. You might see some 38 special, although typically for self-defense, 
most people just opt for 357 Magnum. Um, but yeah, your revolvers, if they're chambered for 357 Magnum, they'll do 38 Special as well. The 38 Special okay, so that's in has a little less recoil to it than a 357 Magnum round does. Um, now, are, are there any considerations for the choice of bullets like hollow points and other considerations of that type? Yeah, so if you're talking self-defense, you want to go with typically a hollow point round. There's quite a few out there. I don't really recommend like the, the gimmicky ones that are hyped up. I mean, typically, if you're looking for a hollow point round, you want to stick with name brand. Um, I'm preferable to uh, spear uh, gold dot hollow points, but Hornady makes uh, good hollow points. Uh, Federal has some of their own brand. I can't remember all of them, but there's there's a good like five or six name brand ones that either law enforcement use or have a great track record with civilian use that a lot of people will mm -hmm. vouch for. But you definitely would recommend hollow point as opposed to full full jacket or something like that for, for self-defense out there on the street. Exactly, because the whole point of the hollow point is basically once it penetrates, it starts to expand and creates a larger wound channel with the goal of right. causing enough damage that it neutralizes the threat quickly. Whereas full metal jacket, it's just going to poke holes in people. And so it's not really going to do that. It's going to take more full metal jacket bullets than it would hollow points to stop a threat. Now, when we talked about, um, you know, our previous show, we talked about self-defense inside the home, and we talked about various accessories that you can put on your gun today, like um, even a handgun, let alone something like a shotgun or a rifle, but you can still put various um, lights, laser dots, and things of that mm -hmm. nature. Is that something you would recommend for a concealed carry? It just kind of depends. Um, for something on a concealed carry, it really depends on what situations you see yourself getting into. If you're putting like a light or a laser on it, I see that as a benefit. You could be in some low light situations at night where you may need it. And you can get holsters custom made to fit that so that you, it's usually just made out of Kydex or leather. But yeah, you can have stuff made for that. Um, there are red dot sights that you can put on pistols. Typically, the general consensus is, yes, they're easier to aim with once you've become accustomed to it and use them. But if you're talking just starting out, most people suggest just to do iron sights. I prefer iron sights myself, too. It's one less thing that can go wrong. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, you know, folks, like uh, uh, outside the home, again, it's very different than inside the home because... You know, inside the home, you would typically hear some noise, you know, somebody's trying to break in. You have some time to, uh, you know, take your weapon out of its lockbox and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. On the street, it's a little different situation. And what really to me is important in, in, in that kind of situation is your ability to remove your gun from your purse or from your holster on your body or wherever it is and acquire the target all in kind of one fluid motion so that you're ready to fire that round, right? Is, is that, is, is that would, would you agree with that, Tyler? Yeah, you wanna train to draw one smooth fluid motion as quickly as possible and practice makes perfect. And you can get holsters that will work with red dots, lights, etc. For me personally, I don't have a light or a laser on mine, but then Mine's a SIG P365, so it actually has a uh, tritium 
in the sites so that they just are always on because it's basically a low-level radioactive material that actually glows in the yeah. dark. I, I love that idea. Like, I love those, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I personally have a week where I like those um, old-fashioned, <clears throat> like I said, revolver and so on. But in reality, guys, if you're going to carry something that's going to save your life, go for the modern gear, go for those um, uh, dots that, uh, that shine in the dark on your iron sights. It's a great idea. And you know, practice uh, removing your, your, your handgun and acquiring the target. Don't close your eyes. That's <laughs> the most important thing. Um, look through the sights, go into your stance, uh, stable stance, and put your finger on that trigger because you're going to shoot. If you're going to, if you took your gun out, you're going to shoot, right? Um, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but but it, you're you're already in a crazy situation if your gun is out. That's the point, right? Don't take it out just to show people. Yeah, and think idea. of it. If it sounds ridiculous to you to do this uh, constant unholstering and reholstering, I mean, think of it kind of like as riding a bike. You learn it as a kid. You have muscle memory there so that let's say you stop riding a bike. I mean, for instance, there was a period of time where I hadn't rode a bike for two or three years. I got on it. I knew how to still do it. It took me you know, a little bit to get up to speed on it, but you want it to be muscle memory to where you don't think about it. It's just natural. You know what to do. You know where it is. It's just you basically become kind of one with the gun, essentially. That, that's that's what, and that's and that's super important you're, you're you're i mean imagine yourself in being a situation in in a situation in which it's you it's either your life or some other guy's life right that's not a situation in which you you are operating with your entire brain you know with your frontal lobes fully engaged you have no time you have to fall back on your training and you have to fall back on the gear that you have, and you have to be very mm -hmm. familiar with that gear. That's 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 the most important thing. And you know, and 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 don't. And when I say don't close your eyes, it's not just um, this idea of when you're shooting a handgun, you don't close you you know one of your eyes like like when you're shooting a rifle. It's more than that. Keep your eyes open, not only. Um, in, in, the, in the straight interpretation of that word, but also in the kind of metaphysical meaning of that word. Keep your eyes open to the situation around you mm -hmm. and keep your eyes open and, enough so that your assailant can see through them that you mean business with that, with that tool that you have in your hands right now. And, and, and you know, so um we almost have to go here but uh, i would leave you with this uh from my perspective i would leave you with this notion that once that handgun is in your hands and you're outside your home and outside of a controlled situation like in a range or practice or a gun shop keep your eyes wide open feel everything around you do not smile do not talk do not uh, fidget Make it so that whoever it is that your gun is pointing at has f every reason to believe that these seconds are going to be the last seconds in his or her life. And if, and if you can plant that belief in their head, maybe, just maybe, you will not have to take that shot. But if you have to take that shot, then just take it. And uh, that, that way your life at least will be uh, saved.
And that's what <clears throat> we're talking about. That's the purpose and the reason for self-defense is to save your own life. Yep. Right. So Thanks Tyler, I'm, I'm going to let, let, let you say something uh, before we, before we end the show. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like you said, you know, be resolved in your mind, make that decision. It's you or them make it ahead of time. Just realize that when you draw that gun, it's with the intent to shoot, hopefully to de-escalate the situation that you don't have to, but be prepared to kill if you need to in order to stop the threat. You know, never brandish it. And biggest thing is train and then also know your laws, what you can do, what you can do, or excuse me, what you can and can't do so that you don't end up in any sort of legal trouble and you know what you're doing and you can do everything safely and responsibly. Yes, yes, uh, that's 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 a that's a great summary, Tyler. And so I want to thank you very much for joining us again. We should do it uh, again after the election. Vote Absolutely. Trump, folks, because <laughs> because if you don't, then all of this will become a moot point. <laughs> Just say you will be you will not be able to keep your guns if that idiot uh, you know from the other side gets in. So vote Trump. Do us all a favor. Do the whole world a favor. All right, Tyler Kapobros from the Good Gun. Good thegoodgun.com thank you very much for joining us for this hour and hopefully we'll do it again sometime soon oh thank you it was a pleasure